My name is Jablani Masilela and welcome to Be the Change with Jabu podcast. Now I'm a firm believer that whatever social ills or injustices that you see in your very own nation, country, community, society, be it church, workplace or otherwise, that you ought to be that very change. You ought to be that quintessential example of the very change that you desire to see in your community. Now on this podcast you will learn not only from myself but various guests as well who are being about that change, who are the advocates of that very change they wish to see in their living space. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the final episode, part 3 of the final episode of episode 4. and we have again our guest a special guest back tseho how are you doing hi jablani i'm doing well thank you how are you i'm fantastic thank you and uh thank you once mm-hmm. again for joining us and uh to really wrap this very interesting uh topic that we've had you know about the subject of mental health and i still think mm-hmm. that even at this point we cannot exhaust it enough or actually say that we've done we've done it all we are finished and you know it cannot continue but i guess this is where we're going to end it and kind of wrap it up no definitely um it's an honor to be back thank you for having me once more to wrap it up like you said um i'm excited about the last episode also just coming from all the other episodes we've had while the other parts that we've had so it's an exciting one yeah no indeed indeed and i would really uh, recommend to our listeners that you really go back take the time to go have an have a listen to part 1 and 2 because it's a very nice build up into the third and final one so zero we mentioned and said that at the conclusion of episode or part 2 we mentioned that we would go further deep into the aspect of denial and i just wanted to basically kind of have you cover both sides like is it denial on the person who's affected or denial in society Me, meaning those that may not be affected as such so if you can mm-hmm. you know maybe take us through that for a moment please mm. all right no um <laughs> very important uh questions you're raising there actually so our last episode we actually spoke intensely on defense mechanisms and we learned that uh denial is actually part of a defense mechanism where we try to reduce uh wh- rather where the ego tries to reduce um anxiety by going into a state of denial of whatever that's happening so we covered that so for those who want to understand a bit more on defense mechanisms you just you can just go back to part 2 so anyway mm-hmm. um denial is it's basically it's basically from both ends uh, i'd like to say so it comes from both the person who's affected with um a mental health condition 
and from the people around them or from the society at large you know so um maybe just to to talk more on this i'll discuss uh three or so points on why we why people actually deny um mental illness you know okay so um the first thing i'd like to speak on is family right so if someone has a mental illness or a mental health problem the first uh, problem they encounter is family and that is why someone would say would deny the existence of this mental health problem they are because you know family is a very big element um of of us you know they form a very big part of us and yeah we right. have um we have um different family responsibilities and we do not want to let our loved ones down you know or if we don't function well then we are unable to bring honor to the family where in some cultures you find people going as far as saying you have brought dishonor to the family right and so if you're someone like a breadwinner or someone whom the family trusts so much it's hard for you to say okay guys um i'm coming up with this this is the problem that i have you know you don't want to let them down and even for them they can't really um cope with the reality of of a family member mm. having a mental illness you know hmm. so yeah that's very interesting now go on go on hmm. and my next point here i have um society <laughs> you mentioned this actually so societal labels you know how we we all hear the terms uh, thrown out like people would say phrases like oh please put your books in order uh, i'm so ocd or oh my goodness my ocd is reacting um <laughs> because something is not a lot of people just like saying these things you know or someone would say oh i have so much anxiety about the upcoming um interview or whatever and that would sound normal you know everyone doesn't think that's abnormal or anything uh with anything not natural you know so this labeling in society it kind of makes mental illness okay but because of the lack of understanding it actually in contrast in contrast makes you think okay so someone with a mental illness is a lunatic <laughs> you know who belongs in in a lunatic yeah. or something like that so it doesn't actually make sense that we throw the phrases and the terms out yet the reality of it is that we can't deal with it when it's actually happening and when it's actually diagnosed so it's like a backwards idea um that having a uh, mental illness actually deems you to be considered crazy or to be mm-hmm. considered as a joke and that's exactly why people put off getting help for their mental illness um whether it's seeing a social worker a therapist a psychiatrist whatever the case may be um so for instance you hear someone taking uh, saying sorry saying something like i can take sick leave for a physical illness like pneumonia bronchitis whatever the case may be but shoo have you ever tried telling your boss i can't come to work for a week because i have anxiety hmm. you know how will that person react because people think uh you're just making these things up or it's not that serious because we can't see it 
with the physical eye, we don't consider it as serious. And what we need to do is lean towards giving it the best attention as much as we give physical illness because it affects your performance just as much. You know, that's such a crucial point that you put across there. In fact, you helped uh, uh, trigger basically uh, just the thought that I had now about a similar type of thing where like a boss, you know, an employer, if you will, who, who, mm. who basically, you know, they, they maybe perhaps they ostracize the employee because whatever that they are um, uh, experiencing at the time, it's, it doesn't have any physical symptoms as such. But Definitely. for example, I know of um, a certain uh, female lady who was a colleague and who lost a baby. They went to mm. the hospital and delivered a baby and, and unfortunately the baby did not make it. And so... Even for the individual, it's for me, the way she went about uh, dealing with the issue, she just quickly returned Mm. to work, you know, without having Mm. kind of having, I I mean, I'm not a woman. Okay. And I wouldn't, I Mm. won't ever Mm. understand what it's like to lose a child, especially if you've gone through the entire cycle and, all of a sudden mm. you lose this baby and you've formed some form of a, a bond and connection with the child and for them to no longer be, I genuinely believe that is a traumatic experience and that would need a okay. professional, someone that you can speak to okay. and so that you can have an outlet, a more healthier outlet of this pain that I, I cannot even fathom or describe. You know, so yeah. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Uh, Perhaps you had more Mm. thoughts or comments on 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 something else, maybe. No, no. Um, it's really just about what you're saying. Um, because also the person, well, us as people, when we are affected by these mental health challenges, because we're not educated enough on them we also don't think it's okay to go through them, you know? So in the case of this lady, like you're saying, it doesn't even sound like she felt that she deserved to go through the grief as, as it would be um, going through the uh, grieving process of someone who has had the opportunity to have a full life, you know, Um, going through the grief and healing from the actual trauma. Um, You hear people saying they have prenatal depression, postnatal depression, things like that. So all things considered, this lady might have even had um, a stressful experience during the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And now what happens if you now lose the, 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 the baby? Now it's like an added stressor in and of itself. But because we don't know how we should go about dealing with such things or we don't believe we deserve to deal with such things before we can fully resume our um, responsibilities, then we think it's okay to just go through life with the burdens that we have because they're not physical. People can't point them out, you know? So it's very important what you're sharing there. Hmm. You know, in 
And just to follow up there, I just have a, only two questions. Yeah. You said something earlier about OCD. I don't have the slightest clue of what that means and what it is. I've heard of it, but I, I don't quite know what it is. Maybe t- take us through what that is. And second, do you mm-hmm. think that such traumatic experiences also affect someone else's or that person's sense of self-worth? Yes, definitely. So let me just answer that one first before we go into the OCD. Um, Definitely such experiences affect your self-worth because the first thing she's thinking about is why me? And after the question of why me comes the answers of maybe I deserved it. Um, then we need to rationalize why would we deserve such a, a, a negative event in our lives. Then comes things like um, three years ago, I didn't do this. I did that instead of that. And then that in itself diminishes your view of self. You think hmm. of yourself in a negative light, you know. So it all starts with the questions and the question builds up. And it's it's really not about trying to actually diminish your self-worth, but it's about trying to cope with your presenting problem. And if we fail to find um, progressive ways and healthy ways to, to deal with it, we end up in what we end up engaging in what we call negative self-talk. And from that negative self-talk, it sort of becomes our reality. This is now how I cope. I, uh, I did not deserve to have this baby. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe who I'm have the, uh, I tried having the baby with uh, is not the right person. Maybe this, maybe that. All these negative things that we just try to fill ourselves with so that we can move on and be better, about, better with the experiences. So definitely it diminishes your self-worth. Sure. You know, that is so crucial because that's something I've observed in someone you know, some, some, some people that mm. were even close to me, like family, that went to, through a mm. very traumatic experience, you know, like losing a child. Mm. And I, I could see the negative um, self-talk and the things yes. that they formerly would call out that, are, that don't sit well with them. They now all of a sudden just mm-hmm. become accepting of it and they tolerate things that they wouldn't tolerate before and now and accept certain yeah. treatment from certain people that is uncalled for and it just did not make sense yeah, to me but now that you've described this you've connected the dots for us no definitely you know it's important to understand that trauma doesn't only affect us um, emotionally it affects the way we think it affects our cognitive processes. You know, there's an actual brain structure that changes um, after a specific trauma where your entire cognitive process changes. And now if we don't learn um, something called cognitive behavioral therapy, we learn to be in those thought processes that are negative. And like you're saying, someone who could who was previously very um very mm-hmm. firm and very solid in her values and in her principles is now more of 
a pushover for lack of yes. a better term you know it's okay it's okay if i do this instead of that it's okay to just go through life with everyone else's opinion mattering but mine so definitely it happens <laughs> yeah cloud of judgment there that's for sure definitely cloud of judgment hmm so anyway let's move on to the ocd um quickly and simply ocd is uh obsessive compulsive disorder ah. and they are yes obsessive compulsive disorder so it it speaks for itself uh basically but there are two main components uh to to the diagnosis of this disorder so first the person would have to have have what what we call obsessions right so it's obsessions and then the second part of it is compulsions okay right so some people either have the obsession some either have the compulsions so you would see someone obsessing over something small you know usually it is things that we do in daily life but what separates the diagnosis from um you know the daily life functioning is how often does this person do this um like we said the other time does it impair with their overall functioning so by this we would mean by this we would mean something like okay does she have to check for the door is the door locked uh in the morning before she leaves for work we find people having to check the doorknob about 25 times before they leave you know knowing very well that it's locked you know those are things that we're talking about like you know you have to do it but now uh, you become very obsessed with it. Uh, it 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 actually clouds every thought that you have you know where some people it's cleanliness um you find someone sweeping every minute of the day you can't even <laughs> visit the person because you just feel like you're dirtying the place you know and they do this even at the expense of completing another important task you know so that's where we would find something like okay it actually impairs with your functioning because you should be working now but you're doing the sweeping in a very clean uh, place that is so it's it's things like that where we do take uh, normal daily things in life but we overdo them i think that's the simple mm. um explanation to this really yeah is that the compulsion side of things definitely definitely uh with with the uh, obsessions obviously you know you'd be obsessed with i don't know a series or a book or just whatever obsessions that we can we can think of and another thing about mental health disorders is that they usually comorbid by comorbid we mean they overlap with other mental health disorders so someone with ocd would also have a mood disorder like um bipolar you know mm. where now you can't really differentiate between the two but it 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 often happens so much and that's why you get someone who's on a lot of um medication oh this actually even brings me to my last point of <laughs> why people deny <laughs> mental illness um it's the medication so huh. the medication side effects right um there's a lot of side effects to obviously any type of medication you would take uh medication for mental health uh, problems is called psychotropic medication so with psychotropic medication 
obviously um, you get your antidepressants, antipsychotics, you get your stimulants and so forth. And side effects would include things like poor sleep, weight gain, um, dizziness, drowsiness. Um, some even go as far as sexual disorders, um, sleepiness. These medications can actually even alter the personality, you know. So a lot of people would say things like, I will not be on this medication because of such reasons. Or someone will say something like, because they've been on the medication. Say, for example, someone goes in, uh, sees a psychiatrist, they prescribe this type of medication, they take the medication for three months or whatever, and they notice these changes. They start noticing these changes. And someone decides to leave this, uh, the, this treatment because of the side effects that they notice. And once they leave this treatment, that's when they tell people or they start to believe that, no, I'm okay. I don't need this because of the side effects that they've had to endure um, with the medication. You know, I've heard a lot of people say things like, um, I don't like who I am when I'm on the medication, you know, mm. um, or even the people I've around you think well. <laughs> definitely, or even the people around you would say things like, oh, Jabu was so bubbly. Jabu was always so happy. But now with this medication, he's so mellow, you know, and they would be talking about someone who perhaps had um, bipolar where their manic, manic episodes would be, you know, this amazing bubbly person who was just happy with everyone. And now because the medication is sort of balancing the, the, the polars, the mood polars, then you're now more um, mellow or just balanced as a whole. Mm-hmm. So people just don't think it's, it's, it's worth it. But another important thing, Jabu, um, I'm not sure if you wanted to comment on that. Yeah, no, I just uh, had a thought here that, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And, and I think as a society, you, if Mm. we have more of these conversations, then we're able to, be more educated and be more aware of how sometimes us, meaning those that may not be affected, that we actually may kind of be not making things better or adding to Mm -hmm. a problem, adding to the challenge, you know, which is why I needed to, to also speak on the aspect of us as society for, for those that, perhaps maybe mm-hmm. have someone in their family who has a condition, mm-hmm. mental health condition, that w- how we talk about it and how we address certain mm-hmm. issues, we have to be cognizant and very uh, aware of the fact that, you know, the language that we use as well to, to address certain mm-hmm. issues and certain things that we don't place negative connotations around it. Mm. yeah so that's that's just the thought i had you please continue mm. yeah no i think i'll get into that right after i speak about this last point um, um i'm not sure obviously we have a listeners from all over but i know that definitely in fr- from our listeners in africa within the african context they might understand more what i'm talking about 
but there is a certain um, view of of mental illness within the African context. Mm -hmm. And these different views, the way people view mental illness, you know, things like I'll take schizophrenia, for example. So someone having schizophrenia, we know that this person has delusions. They have um, hallucinations where they hear things, where they see things, where they believe that they smell things or that they taste things that are not there. You know, they Mm -hmm. believe that um, they're the president of however many clubs there are, you know, or that they're this important, mighty person. And that is just schizophrenia, you know, that's how it goes. And someone in Africa, um, because of the African view of mental illness, would understand that as something like witchcraft, for example, like this person has been bewitched to see things. This person has been bewitched to hear things. Or someone might say in African spirituality, um, there are things that you need to get done before this and that, or you have a specific calling into whatever cultural practice or whatever the case may be, you know, whereas the Mm. Western um, model of, of, of mental illness will tell you in detail that this is actually schizophrenia. So someone within the African context having this um, type of uh, mental illness or mental disorder rather would then be very hesitant to tell people or their family would be very hesitant to tell people that, okay, our child has schizophrenia or our child is hearing voices because then they know that the first things that would come to mind would be this and that, which is considered a dishonor or a disgrace to the family name or things like that. Wow. That is so true. Mm. That is so true. Thank you for mm. that point. And yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. I guess you. Right. I think you have um, another thought. No, 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 no. That was it from this part. I just wanted to get into the how society can deal better with someone with a mental illness, like you were saying earlier. That it would be good for us to be educated to know, or at least what first steps to take. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we all know that um, people who are in denial about their mental illness um, respond with hostility. They're very hostile for most of the parts. <laughs> um, they accuse loved ones of uh, interfering in their personal lives, you know, and some don't even trust the health system anymore, you know, where you see even family and friends becoming the bad guys because. They're always the people reminding you of your truth, you know. Um, mm. So how to help how to help a loved one change? Um, there are steps to take. I'm only going to discuss three. Um, okay, no problem. Yeah. So um, the first important thing would be tracking and timing. This one speaks for itself. So in tracking and timing, uh, you would, if you have someone living with... Um, a mental disorder, or if you know of someone close to you suffering from that, you would advise or you would do this yourself, that they should track the patterns and times, right? So um, this person would document triggers. Uh, You would say things like, okay, what triggers this person's um, specific emotions um, from this person? 
you know, mm-hmm. what patterns do they go through when they have um, this specific episode? During what times is it more prevalent? And you would track that down some way, anyway, you know, um, and you would try to reach out when you see a good time abro- approaching. So this is w- during the time when the person is stable. That's when you would try to reach out. So you would completely avoid reasoning during certain times, right? Mm-hmm. And one would also need to have a very specific approach, you know, where you, you're very gentle, but also you have to have boundaries set in place. Um, I like tracking and timing because it also makes the person understand that at this time, they're really not themselves and you were noticing that they're not themselves and you did everything that you could to be gentle with them because they don't also understand what's going to them, what's going on in those moments, right? Okay. And then moving to boundaries, like we said, um, you have to set very strong boundaries and be gentle. Um, so the second point is setting strong boundaries and expectations. You know, you've, you hear people saying, use tough love. So this is where <laughs> you would use a tough love method, right? Um, we would start dialogues instead of debates. So you would speak to the person as you would any other person not suffering from any mental disorder. You know, you have a conversation instead of an attack, right? Mm-hmm. And you must be consistent. Be very consistent in the boundaries that you set. So whether this person is having an episode or not, be very consistent in those boundaries because you can um, sway off a bit from the boundaries you set, but they won't forget that, okay, so yesterday you said I'm not allowed to eat ice cream because ice cream is one of my triggers for this and this behavior. But today you've decided I can have it. And they won't forget, mm. and now they won't be able to trust you. They'll hold you. Know, you. They'll hold they won't it be able you. to trust. You. Oh, definitely, <laughs> most definitely. And it will be even harder for you to to try reason with them in future because then your entire credibility is flawed after that. And the last but not least, um, educate yourself about the illness. You know. This goes out to everyone in society. Educate yourself about even the most basic um, mental health conditions. You know, we have depression, we have anxiety, we have um, bipolar, we have borderline personality disorder. These are like some of the most basic and very common um, mental health disorders that are out there. So educating ourselves, um, knowing what it is, understanding what it is and what it does to the person because then as soon as we understand this um, it helps us to to see the situation in in more educated eyes and we are able to be more um, empathetic with the person we're able to to see things from their perspective and to judge less you know and in that way it also helps the person accept themselves and if someone accepts themselves they can accept their situation, and then they can take the necessary steps to to getting better or to mm-hmm. dealing with it. And everyone just becomes happy. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, you know. And mm-hmm. wow, thank you so much. This has been very educational. That's why, for the record, 
for those of you who may be joining us only here on part three, there's part one and two, and this is Tsirofatso <laughs> Mutsubele, a South African um, mental health practitioner, okay? It's a professional opinion mm-hmm. that we're getting. This is not some foofy information that we're trying, <laughs> that we're just, you know, um, pushing or imposing upon you. But it's really useful, helpful information from a professional, someone who does this for a living. So thank you once again, Tiru, for being here and for really educating us and making this a really lighthearted conversation as well. One that's not something that is taboo, if you will. And, mm-hmm. and so maybe for... Again, if you can maybe leave um, us with your contact details and whatever other details that you feel would be beneficial. Because, for example, there's people from, you know, parts of Europe, you know, Latvia, Germany. There's people from the United States, United Mm -hmm. Kingdom, uh, Kenya, and, you know, in Malawi as well. So we have people from various parts of the world listening on here. And so, yeah, we, sure. you know, if you may just leave us your last words and your contact details, please. Ah, wow. What an audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, so just like I said in part two, we need to encourage everyone not to give up on people with mental health challenges because today it's someone, tomorrow it might be you. We never know what can trigger us. Um, Sometimes it's hereditary. um, Sometimes it's um, environmental causes, social causes, you know, whatever the case may be, we just never know if we would one day be on the other end, you know. So it's very important to, to be soft and to be gentle with anyone we know suffering from a mental health challenge and educate ourselves and understand that this is not anyone's choice and it can happen to anyone, you know? Hmm. Um, So yeah, definitely that's it for me and my contact details. So you can find me on WhatsApp um, with the South African code plus two seven six seven zero zero zero. Four zero five one. So that's plus two seven six seven triple zero four zero five one. You can also find me on www.counselingpsychologistsa.com, and you can find me on www.qfit.co.za. Awesome! Yeah. Awesome! That's me. <laughs> and. She's also on hmm. Instagram. I don't know why she's shunning away from that one. <laughs> oh, yes. I remind her. I forgot. The platform is back to you. Oh, I'm also on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the reminder. See, you're being gentle with me. Thank you so much for that. It's important. You're welcome. So on Instagram, on Instagram, it's super psyched. Um, so it's super with a P, P-S-U-P-E-R underscore site. Or you can simply search my name and surname, Tsehofatso Mutsubele, and you will find me there. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard the uh-huh. lady. And thank you once again, Tseho, for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute and... pleasure. <laughs> 
Thank you for having right. me. I'm Jablan Masilela and you've been listening to Be the Change with Jabu podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate this podcast and also to leave us a review and share it with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at jabu_coach and on Facebook at Jablani C Masilela. Thank you for listening.